0: Compared to Neil
1: Life is no thrill
0: It's worse than Neil So, so rather than conclusion Let there be still Welcome! to episode number 76 of the Exploring Antinatalism podcast, a podcast showcasing the wide range of perspectives and ideas throughout antinatalism as it exists today through interviews with antinatalists and non-antinatalist thinkers and creators of all kinds, now running four years strong. I'm your host, Amanda Sukunik, and today I'm speaking with Lawrence Anton and John Williams, who today reveal to the world their new antinatalist activist organization, Antinatalist Advocacy. Welcome to the Exploring Antinatalism podcast, Lawrence and John. How are you guys today?
1: Good, thank you. Excellent. Yeah, all good.
0: Awesome, good. awesome. Uh, so this is a really exciting episode. Uh, I want to thank uh, the both of you for allowing the Exploring Antinatalism podcast the true pleasure and honor of being able to share the amazing news, the inauguration of a new antinatalist organization, Antinatalist Advocacy so excited to jump into uh, everything you guys have been working on. Um, you know, it's always wonderful when a new group pops up. Uh, it's been a while since the launch of a, of a new group. And um, yeah, there's certainly a lot of holes within the world of antinatalist advocacy that need to be filled, a lot of work to be done in the world of... Uh, you know the good that antinatalism can do in the world so mm-hmm. um so this is really exciting i was wondering if we could just take a, a brief moment i mean I, I obviously lawrence you and i know each other quite well uh, yeah. john this is the first time you and i have really gotten a chance to speak uh but i was wondering if we could just take a moment if two, both of you could sort of tell me who each of you are a little bit about yourselves and explain uh why you are antinatalists
2: uh, sure, I'll go first because I know that you know, Lawrence likes to talk about himself and I don't want to <laughs> be uh, drowned out. Um, so, yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Amanda. Um, it's great to finally meet you. It's a bit of a legend in the anti-natalist community. Um, yeah, so I'm John, 28, living in London. I've been an anti-natalist now for about three years. I guess my anti-natalist journey, if I'm allowed to say that without it sounding too cliched, is quite a typical one. Um, I became a vegan, like an animal rights advocate um, back in 2016. And then after about four years of um, being a vegan and, you know, understanding that there are definitely some sentient beings like animals and factory farms, where it'd be better not to bring them into existence. I stumbled across an interview on Cosmic Skeptics YouTube channel with David Benatar. I think I said to Lawrence before, for some reason, I when I first heard about Benatar's views, I had like a negative perception that he was going to be like super angry and misanthropic and all this kind of stuff. And it's totally unfair because you know, as a vegan, there's lots of like stereotypes about vegans and um, you know misconceptions that people have. So I, I no space. I should have been much more empathetic towards uh, this this idea when I first heard it, but then. Listen to that interview. I listened to a whole bunch more interviews by David Benatar. And I was thinking, wow, this philosophy is really holding up in an intellectual sense. And then the thing that really brought it home for me was that, unfortunately, that year, my uncle passed away. And I've lived quite a blessed life in terms of having known that many people to have died. And this, you know, it I really did like, it really did concretize the ideas in my head, the idea that you know, things happen in life. You know, it, it, it was a cancer diagnosis we knew nothing about before. These kind of things can happen. And there's a terrible risk that, you know, when we bring sentient beings into existence, that they will have these things happen. You can't, you can't guard against things like that. So that really kind of brought the ideas home for me was this personal experience, as well as like exploring it in a more philosophical sense. And then when I finally read Better Never to Have Been, which um, I, I try not to sound too kind of like, I don't know, too biblical and like David Benatar as the Messiah, but it is such a fantastic book. It's one of those few books that can be both like a philosophy book and also like accessible for a general audience. So even if you are an antinatalist, i still recommend reading it just to, yeah, because it is such like a foundational text, if you like, in the Antinasis community. So yeah, that's a bit about how it became an antenatist. I'm sure we get on to how we started antenatist advocacy in a bit.
0: Absolutely. We're going to cover all of that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story, John. I'm very, very sorry about your, the loss of your uncle. I'm, I'm, my condolences for sure. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's wonderful to, I mean, I already sort of know this just from videos that you've done with Lawrence on his channel, but it's really good that the both of you have such a, a firm foundation in uh, animal rights, you know, ethics, veganism. It's, it's, uh, it's, a very good, strong foundation to then go to antinatalism second and uh yeah nothing wrong with with giving huge accolades to the work of benatar i mean it's 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 truly seminal important work um so well wonderful thank you so much lawrence i do believe it's your turn
1: yeah well um yeah so i'm i'm lawrence also in uh london as well but john and i are on opposite sides of london um and yeah i i won't like revisit the full my full story of how I became antinatalist because I think people are maybe sick of it um but I I, I think I've been antinatalist for, I think around around five six years now something like that um and then uh maybe just two sort of quick things to touch on um since then is um start well the first one was uh Amanda and I I, I'm not sure if you mentioned this after we hit record or if it was before but um I've been on before because you Amanda and myself and a few others we uh went out on a venture or however you want to put it to start um Antinatalism International um and yeah and then I can't remember how long it was ago now maybe like two years or something now Something like that, yeah. Um then I went my own way from that and started doing um the YouTube channel, which has been steadily growing to the point now where I think it's like one point six thousand subscribers there or thereabouts. So like a modest channel. Um, but you know, hopefully it will be less modest in the future. Um and uh, yeah, I think that that's basically that's basically me, I think the very abridged version
0: excellent, yeah no your 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 An name story is really fascinating. I mean, you've been involved in so many projects over a short period of time, really important projects um, and the channel is doing fabulously um it's it's grown so much just over the last year. so congratulations on that, Lawrence. and John, I forgot to ask you, do you also have a YouTube channel?
2: I don't know um unfortunately my contributions to youtube have all gone through lawrence's channel and he's pocketed all of the ad revenue <laughs> no, <I'm just>
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I
2: don't quite have the talent for putting together videos like lawrence's videos particularly very polished and just very well just put together and i don't really have the knack for doing that but i do love a lot of anti-natalist content out there i came across yours as well manda although your channels have been are some of them being banned, and, oh, banned yes. and re-uploaded yeah oh yes
0: yes they <laughs> have uh well i'll just go over the story very briefly yeah so when i originally started on in the youtube area I, well i started out on youtube about 15 years ago as a toy reviewer um so that channel is still up that one's not banned yet um but i started in the in the youtube world uh the, you sorry the anti youtube world about 13 years ago uh with a channel called forever wolf films and that that channel was just unceremoniously killed in 2021, I think for very strange reasons. I mean, no, no strikes, no nothing, just, Death. So eh, it is what it is, but um, hopefully this one will last (laughs) and stand the test of time. We'll see. Um, But no, hey, nothing wrong with not being a video maker, but, but on that subject. So, yeah, so I'd love to hear about how the two of you found each other and started working with each other. I became like aware of the fact that you two were working with each other uh, pretty consistently and had a really, real good thing going because Lawrence, you've had John on your channel, and you guys made some excellent videos about um antinatalism and effective altruism. I for- I think there are a couple of other subjects I'm forgetting offhand, but yeah, like, I'd love to hear about how, how this friendship started and how you guys have come to work with each other. Do you want to,
1: do you want to cover it, John? Or...
0: Oh, all
2: right. you have such a good way of making it sound, you know, all wistful and romantic. So I reckon you
1: should tell this story.
0: <laughs> After 76 episodes, I gotta be, I gotta be, I gotta be at least good at that. Right.
1: <laughs> um, okay cool so uh i can't remember the exact i can't remember the date of when this was but i'd say it was probably around a year ago now given that it's summer again in the uk Mm, and in london there is a small uh debate group uh vegan debate group in in london where we you know meet occasionally and have a different topic each time and i i got invited to join this debate group. John was already in it. And uh, the first one I attended was on antinatalism, actually. Uh, and I, I think the reason for that probably was that John was already in there. But since I got added in, I probably brought up this. I can't remember for sure. So this could be all like wrong. But I think I must have brought up the subject in the chat or something. And then we decided, well, should we just have this as a as a debate topic? And I think John and I were the sort of resident um proponents anyway so john and i um yeah officially met there and um then on the way back from that uh, debate that we had on primrose hill if anyone knows london um we were walking back to the same train station and we were just talking about how the the, the contrast between the animal rights community and the antenatalist community given that the animal rights community is or animal rights slash vegan community however you want to put it has a very strong activist contingent um it, it's very it, it's kind of hard to be part of the community and not come across plentiful opportunities to do all sorts of different activism very accessible for anyone really with any capacity in any sort of skill set to to get involved um and we were talking about how it doesn't seem the case like that is, is that's the case for antinatalism um and so we were talking about that but we were also talking about how one issue that there is in the animal rights movement is that it, it's it's good there's loads of people do it being active and doing stuff but there's only a small subset small in terms of individuals subset of people that are actually Critically examining their own forms of activism and thinking, well, actually, you know, are we doing something that we can somewhat measure the impact of? You know, you don't have to be precise and put exact numbers on it, but just somewhat be able to see like what impact we're having. Um, Try and learn from research that's been done, try and essentially do evidence based activism to have, you know, a bigger impact than we may otherwise have. And we thought it's it's the norm, really, not to do that in animal rights advocacy. Um, a a lot a lot of people do sort of talk about, oh, I do this because I think it's more effective. But actually, when you push down to it, it, it it's not often not based on on much. Um, which you know is not. I'm not saying it to berate people in any way. Like I did that for a, a, a long time as well when I was engaging in animal rights activism more than I am now. Um, but anyway, so John and I were talking about those two things and, and we just thought, you know, actually it would be, it would be really good if there was more encouragement for the average antinatalist to be more active in terms of trying to do good in the world rather than just have the quote unquote correct opinions, if you get what I mean. Um, which obviously we do have, well, yeah, whatever. Anyway, um, and yeah, so we wanted to encourage that, but we also wanted to encourage a culture in the activism of reflection, um, trying to be as evidence-based as we can. Although, obviously, there's going to be some barriers to that, given that antinatalist advocacy in general is just so young. Um, so there may not be much that we can go on, but we can still learn from the stuff that's out there. Um, so we basically had that conversation with those those sort of two points. Um, and then we came up with this idea. We we met for the first time in um in like a pub in in Shoreditch. Again, if anyone knows London, um Lawrence and... was late, predictably.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah I you, was late. You ever try and schedule <laughs> anything with a vegan? They're always going to be late. That's just the way it is. <laughs> Only um, about ten minutes.
0: That B twelve deficiency, yeah. you know. Yeah, exactly. Right, 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 right. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we can't yeah, yeah. figure
2: out like train schedules and things like that with all that
1: B twelve deficiency. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then just very quickly, just to just to round off, because um, I don't want to drag this, you know, answer out too much. But um, there was a third person supposed, to, well, fourth person supposed to be here today, which is Alana, who sadly couldn't be with us because um, she's not, she's feeling a bit under the weather. Um, but after a, a, I can't remember how many meetings we'd had, but John and I had been thinking about, you know, it would be good to get at least one or two more people on board so that we can expand capacity but not balloon so that it just flash in the pan sort of stuff um and so we were just passively keeping an eye out on 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 anyone that comes into contact or whatever and alana emailed me um and j- just you know sounded she sounded very engaged all of this sort of stuff and so john and i thought well let's just you know put a proper zint- put a proposition to her and lay it out and just say look this is what we want to do you sound very aligned with what we want to do would you be interested in getting on board then we had a call with her and she joined and she's been amazing since um and and now we're at at this point now yeah
0: amazing well i regret not being able to meet uh, alana today but uh so so, but there are and i hope she feels better so there are three or four of you that are that are now Firmly a part of anti-natalist advocacy. Three. Okay, excellent, excellent, excellent. Okay, well, I'd love to meet her another time for sure. John, did you want to say anything on on this front about how you guys uh, came together?
2: I think, Lawrence, you've really covered everything well there. Um, I guess one thing that we did also notice was that there's not really like an anti-natalist advocacy infrastructure, if you like. Um, I remember one of my tasks when we first meet up was to see really what's out there. Um I think uh, Andy did a, a wonderful episode with Lawrence about the history of like online antinatalist activism, which was really illuminating. But in terms of really what's out there, like I came across, obviously knew about this podcast and I knew, came across Annie, but that wasn't really much. And there's two ways you can look at it. The first one is quite a, you know, obviously a down way and think, I oh, wish there was more out there. But also we thought that this is quite an important point for antinatalist activism, Um, and how because it is in its early stages the decisions that we make now as the people who get involved they can have massive like long-run states you know really long-run consequences like the approach taken in vegan advocacy is very much that kind of individual one-to-one change get everyone to go vegan on a one-to-one basis is very much the dominant activism approach (laughs) and whether that's right or wrong if that hadn't been the case and there'd been a different form of activism that's quite prominent as every chance to buy now um, that, you know, vegan advocacy would look really, really different. Um, So that was another thing that Lawrence and I were thinking, especially with this like impact focus was wondering that if we, if we can have like an impact focus and really try and think carefully about having the biggest positive impact as possible with our anti-national advocacy, that now is a really important time to, kind of have those conversations and put that stuff into place because it is like a a hinge moment or a turning point, I think, in this early stage of antinatalist activism.
0: 100%. I mean, I, I agree so much with everything both of you just said. I mean, antinatalism, antinatalist activism is so young. It is so immature. Um, it needs infrastructure. It needs leadership. It needs guidance. It needs all of these things. And um, it's, I mean, it's tough. It's tough putting oneself in that kind of role. Um, and the community is at at a difficult stage. I mean, it, it, it's it's uh it doesn't really know what it wants, it doesn't really know whether it wants to be a depressed, angry child, or whether it wants to sort of grow up and and and, and be that force in the world that can do all of this good and prevent suffering. Um, and that's why it it needs groups like this, it needs organizations and it need again, it needs that infrastructure. It needs um, exactly what what I think you said, Lawrence, that sort of um evidence-based um feedback of like what kind of impact are we having? because at the moment, antinatalism, it's certainly growing. It's certainly more visible. I mean, we're there. we're We're out loud and proud about it. But like it's not really having a tremendous impact, certainly uh, I mean if at all, really, on actual birth rates or 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 um or the way people are or uh, it's it's not not necessarily influencing um the way that I think it can in, in terms of animal ethics. Um and so yeah so the, this is this there could there is definitely time and uh this is exactly the kind of thing that antinatalists need to be putting together and need to be the direction that antinatalism needs to be taking. So uh so I'd love it if if you guys can tell me just sort of you know, what is antinatalism advocacy? I know that um, in the email that you sent me, I mean, we've talked about this a little already, but in the email that you sent me, Lawrence, you know, you said the sort of the goals, um, the focuses are human reproduction, of course, uh, animal agriculture, wild animal suffering, and artificial sentience. Uh, So you guys are covering a all the bases basically which i love that's that's exactly what uh in my opinion a real anti-natalist advocacy group needs to be doing so t- so please i mean t- t- you know um whichever one of you wants to start first i mean tell me what what the what the goals are and and how how you wish to proceed with everything that you'd like to accomplish
1: do you want to go john
2: uh i just told mate, if you want to go through the four or would you like oh, to- okay
1: cool yeah. So um, to give like a an overview, um, there's, I think, uh, maybe the best way to do it is to cover the, um, the four sort of cause areas. And I'm just saying this now so that in case I forget, you can remind me of what I was going to cover. So I think the four cause areas, then we've also got sort of six... Um, don't know what the best word is, but I think we've called them like activities that we want to do. Um and then maybe just a few other bells and whistles. So to, to start with some some bells and whistles. So with anti-natalist advocacy, what we really wanted to do is um essentially um be an organization that facilitates um antinatalists to essentially realize the capac- the capacities, capabilities, abilities, however you want to put it, that, that they have, right? Um, I think maybe sometimes people maybe get the perception of like, oh, there's a new organization and they are saying, this is the way we need to do things. Um, and either people align with that or they, or they don't. And so they either subscribe to the organization or they don't. One thing that antinatalist advocacy really wants to do is help nurture a culture of essentially just having an open discussion about okay well what exactly are our goals and as as a as a movement a community and and then what are the most effective ways to realize those goals and and if we don't know then how can we facilitate research as a community to do that right so we we really want to one you know we're going to do our own stuff obviously um but we also want to like facilitate being able to help others to get involved in antinatalist activism or advocacy um in in ways that are appropriate to their skill sets um so that I guess that's the sort of broad overview. So when we were thinking about, okay, well, what what are what are we aiming at what are, what are the sort of key issues that we want to address? Well, obviously, the main thing about antinatalism is not wanting new beings to come into existence so so the, the, obviously the main key thing is going to be that but we thought there are four core areas that I can kind of be broken down into the first one is human procreation obviously standard don't think you really need to go into that much much more as antinatalist that's kind of you know that's kind of like your uh, bread and vegan butter of the of the antinatalist world right um so that that's that's one one cause area um that we we identified um and i i can maybe just touch on like one example for each of the cause areas so one example that i really like um in terms of already established already happening activism that antinatalists can support in terms of human reproduction that has been um tested by established charity evaluators and stuff like that is uh this a charity called family empowerment media which um i from what i've seen so far and i've i've you know i've watched uh talks that they've done and listened to you know uh things read you know media that's been put out about them all of this sort of stuff and everything i've seen of theirs i've found really promising and really really good um so very briefly they essentially put out um educational material via um, radio usually uh to areas generally in sub-saharan africa that uh, don't have access to that information otherwise um and and, uh they are they are areas that have been identified as having um, low levels of contraception use basically um and family empowerment media have been identified as an effective charity by charity evaluators so if someone wants to uh have like a pre-established you know organization that they want to give to and they know that out of all the organizations working on this this one has been deemed to have the most sort of rigorous backing in terms of evidence and impact family empowerment media seem like a really good bet um so they seem like really exciting to me they are in the middle of a randomised control trial as we speak, which I think is happening until the end of the year, um, and that's and you if um, if anyone uh, you know finds any of their talks or articles and stuff, I think they mention it in basically everything that is recent, so you can find out about it that way. But anyway, so that's that's one example with human procreation. Um, moving on to the next one is animal agriculture. So um with animal agriculture, obviously, this is a massive way that sentient beings are being brought into existence, dwarfs human procreation um massively um and the quality of the lives being brought in, brought into existence are are just on average way way lower, way worse than than humans um and so obviously this is a massive issue that anti-natalists are going to want to help address. You know, we want to prevent mm. those lives, especially those lives, from coming into existence cause, just because there's so many and they're so bad. Um, and the reason we focused on animal agriculture rather than just gem- domesticated animals generally is because animal agriculture is is the main driver of domesticated animals being brought into existence. Um and yeah, one, one, one example um, of, a of a of um, again, a charity, and for each of the examples, I'm gonna be giving examples of charities and, and organizations, but by no means is that saying that these are the only forms of activism that can be effective. Um, this is one thing that we're gonna be realizing a lot and talking about a lot with antinatalism, is that because the landscape is so bare in terms of activism, we genuinely don't know what the most effective forms are so we've got to go off what the sort of semblances of of things that are already out there of organizations or people who maybe aren't necessarily antinatalist but they align with us in some way and they've already done work like family empowerment media you know it's not in any way an antinatalist organization um and i doubt any of the people who work for it are antinatalists but it's something that we can align on and the, the framework's already there you know why reinvent the wheel um so yeah one one example for um uh animal agriculture is is the humane league which has been um again ranked by charity evaluators um that uh, if you're going to give your money to um essentially help try and end uh, animal agriculture and prevent uh Domesticated animals from coming into existence—that seems like one of the best bets. Um, then moving on uh, to wild animal suffering. So obviously, wild animal suffering still involves non-human animals, uh, but it's it's distinct from from domesticated animals, animal agriculture, because um, this is an issue. This is this is the one issue of the four cause areas that actually humans do not facilitate or we, we maybe in like conservation in some small fringe part we do, but, um, by and large wild animal suffering is, is in terms of the beings brought into existence is not something humans are are facilitating. This is something that would be happening anyway. So, um, but it's still a concern to antinatalists, obviously it doesn't, you know, there's still beings being brought into existence with by and large, horrible lives, um, and often very short as well. So, um, Again, yeah, that's a cause area. One example of a charity that's doing work on this, which interestingly, I think specifically antinatalists will be interested in this is that they've, they have written articles about and are facilitating research on the contraceptive use in, in wild animal, um, uh, situations or, or cases, however you want to put it, which I think would be of particular in, interest to antinatalists, um, that's wild animal initiative again they um they've been ranked as a effective charity that if you put your money into that money is going to um go to you know not bureaucracy as it may do for many charities it, it, the majority of it is going to be going to the mainly research i think they do at this point um and hopefully with wild animals in in the long run having a positive impact and less of them coming into existence then the fourth one, and I will, you know, stop rambling. Maybe I'll hand over to you, John, for the activities, the six activities. Um, but the fourth one of the cause areas is artificial sentience, as you said. So this one is the bit more sci-fi one that maybe people will, you know, turn off and be like, uh, you know, like it's not going to happen or whatever. And hope, hopefully, it it won't. You know, may may, may you know, we we don't essentially like consciousness is still kind of a mystery to us so we don't know if it's something humans are going to be able to replicate in um without the process of of procreation basically um so we, we don't know if artificial sentience is going to be an issue but it could be an issue and if it if it is realized if we do create um, sentience in an in a artificial, although some people have issues with that term, in an artificial way, um, that could be really bad because then, with 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 humans with animals, um, you need to inseminate them and then gestation um, happens and and then you can exploit them again or 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 have another you know reproductive cycle. But there's an inherent limitation there on on time, whereas with artificial beings, in theory. They could just be boom, 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 just made more and more and more. And, and it, yeah, it's, um, it's got the potential to be, to be very bad. So, and as an example of a, of an organization working on that is the Sentience Institute. Um, I believe they are a registered charity. Um, and they do, again, this is a, this is an area where, it's not got an amazing amount of research especially on the philanthropic side of like how we would be impacting the potentially sentient AIs so they're doing research into that and um it's all very interesting stuff but yeah I'll hand over to John after I've just spoken for ages so
0: Can I ask just a really quick question before we hand it over to John? I mean, uh, thank you so much for that explanation, Lawrence. I mean, um, all of these different, you know, organizations and groups that you mentioned, um, I I, I mean, I really, I love hearing that you're thinking in those kinds of terms. Uh, And um, I just was curious, are are you planning on contacting these groups, you know, building a relationship with them? Um, Because, you know, one thing that I do think antinatalists need to, um, not that I'm saying you guys have to do this, but I mean, there's a lot of misconceptions about us, you know, and there's a lot of fear about antinatalism. Um, And so, uh, you know, I, I'm just curious, like if if part of your trajectory will maybe, you know, include sort of like uh, outreach in that kind of way, like, Hey, you know, cause it's, you know, set, um, those working or, or fearing the S-risk of artificial intelligence, those working, you know, in wild animal suffering. I mean, the antinatalism is a really important p- missing mm-hmm. piece, I feel, to what they're doing, uh, and, a, as well as for animal agriculture and all the rest, too. But I'm just using those two as an example. So these relationships are extraordinarily important to foster and nurture. So I was, I was wondering what your plans are as far as that, if at all.
1: Yeah so um to answer your question in just a broad way is is yes you know we we want to um ourselves you know build bridges with other um uh groups that are doing work on these you know four areas um and and you know in in the future in some way we'll want to help you know other antinatalists build bridges as well you know we we want to we one don't want to become gatekeepers but also a bottleneck as well um and and, but to be more specific um we'll maybe get onto it later so i won't say too much now but um yeah there are of of those ones examples i just gave um of those specifically multiple of them um i will very soon be personally reaching out to them to get them involved in something we're working on um for later this year but uh, I, think, I think we'll get onto that in full later, so I won't say anything more now.
0: Excellent, Lawrence. Excellent. That's great. That's great. Well, I'm sorry to have interrupted you, John. Please go ahead. Oh, it's all. Amanda, you made a really important point there about
2: forming relationships. And I We were talking earlier about maybe some missteps. we feel like missteps or are areas that we would have liked like vegan advocacy or you know, animal advocacy to be different. And that is that I a lot of vegan activists are not very good at building bridges and um, both building bridges externally to you know organizations or individuals that aren't vegan but could have a really positive impact i was thinking of an example for example uh, an organization as an example called compassion in world farming who they're not a vegan organization but my god their ideas of a world without factory farming would be a lot closer to a vegan world than what we've got now where you know 80 billion land animals most of them in factory farms. And I just feel that vegans aren't very good at forming links, especially with non-vegans. It's like, if you're not vegan, we don't want to talk to you. And where we are at antinatalists, there are so few people who identify with the term that if we just waited around or, or only spoke to those who absolutely agreed with us and everything, we would never get anywhere. So part of these four cause areas that Lawrence went through a part of our approach to them is looking to form those relationships you are talking about, Amanda, reform alliances where we can have positive impact and to be strategic and to be empathetic to people who maybe don't, you know, they're not card-carrying antinatalists. Um, yeah, I'm going to talk through the actions that Lawrence mentioned earlier, uh, the activities, the six core activities from our theory of change. And a the theory of change, if you don't know, is basically a diagram mapping out what you're planning to do and the change that you're looking to have. And in terms of the core activities, um, one of them is very simply networking, which ties into what we were saying earlier around getting antinatalists together and people who align on different things to come together to devise new strategy and that kind of thing. So at antinatalist advocacy, we really are looking to, looking to provide like platforms and opportunities for people to come together and to foster that community, that uh, like positive, positive, um, you know that proactive impact focused activism ethos that we were talking about earlier and one uh, another key activity is disseminating information so a bit like what we're doing now um, and also a couple of podcasts which we'll get a bit more uh, give a bit more detail on in a bit uh, another one is around supporting organizations now this one is a little bit further down the line but we talked about how there isn't a huge amount of anti-natalist infrastructure out there and how we would love for there to be lots of organisations that align with what we're trying to do. So providing a kind of community and hopefully a platform and some guidance for organisations to come about to um, yeah put some of these good ideas into practice. Then a really key one, which aligns with Alana's podcast, which we'll talk about um, in a bit, is around supporting individuals. I know you've mentioned, Amanda, previously that understandably, A lot of antinatalists are struggling, particularly with their mental health. And unfortunately, some of the places, especially online places that antinatalists meet, I don't know if they're necessarily congruent with like creating a positive, forward thinking kind of environment. Um, Now I can see my hands shaking her head. But yeah, so... And it's again, it's totally understandable. It's not a judgment point. Totally understandable that anti would be struggling in this world. But one of the key things we want to do is again provide provide resources, provide spaces for people to come together, resources for people to support themselves, so that they are in a good place, and then then can go out and have this positive impact in the world that we think that anti can have. And linked to that, as well as the networking point, it was around like community building. Um, so, again, creating spaces for anti-natalists to come together. Within the vegan space, um, you've got not just, like, activism opportunities, but you've also got, like, vegan clubs. You've got vegan camp out that me and Lawrence, go <laughs> to. There's activities for people to come together because I certainly found it when I, when I first met Lawrence. It's like, once you meet another card-carrying anti-natalist, there is an element of, like, oh, it's nice to meet someone. Who can empathize with this kind of worldview and having those kind of positive spaces is really important so community building and then the final one and something we're looking to do a bit more of next year is around conducting primary research so lawrence and i were talking that we were saying before that we don't really know there's just a lot of a lot of research that could be done about antinatalism. like what you know who is the antinatalist community what is it that causes people to become antinatalists? What are antinatalists' views to things like animal agriculture? Like, do they take a sentiocentric view? We don't really know this stuff. Um, obviously, we can go through personal experience on Facebook, uh, like interactions, if you like. But we want to have more robust evidence, both on the antinatalist community, but also the four cause areas that we're talking about. You know, what are people's views on wild animal suffering as it relates to like individual wild animals? We don't really know that stuff. So, yeah, conducting this kind of primary research, especially around attitudes, but also towards our areas of like impactful areas um, of you know, activities that we can take to improve the world. And um, yeah, that's our, our, sixth, our sixth key activity. So, just to recap, there's networking, disseminating information, supporting organizations and individuals, community building, and then
0: conducting our own kind of primary research. Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I loved every bit of that. Um, you know, as far as research, I mean, yes. Oh my God. I mean, there is so much out there that is not been written about yet, not been fully researched. We have so precious little, uh, survey material. I mean, I think the last, at least semi-professional survey of antenatalist communities online was in, I want to say maybe 2017, Uh, And that was, that was published uh, in part, at least in, um, I think, uh, issue two of antinatalist magazine. So I mean, a long time ago, and it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't peer reviewed. It's not, you know, it's, 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 you can't even really find it very easily. Lack of research. Yeah. I mean, that, that is absolutely something I would love to see a real effort and push towards the creation of, I mean, that is so, so, so important. I know that like, you know, in some of the discussions that, uh, you john have had on lawrence's channel you guys have had together you know there's been um a bit of an interest a bit of an exploration into sort of how um how antinatalism could fit into something like effective altruism or whether that's an appropriate model you know for the future of antinatalism and i'm kind of wondering where uh both of your thoughts are on that now because obviously you know effective altruism has kind of hit like a a difficult period of its own, um and so yeah, I'm curious if you if you both do feel like it, like that's an appropriate model to work from, or um, or how much that will come into play, you know, with antenatalist advocacy.
2: I'm happy to jump in here, Lawrence, if you're happy for me to. Yeah, I think that as you're saying, like effective altruism. I think that the ideas behind effective altruism, in terms of having that impact focus and a real commitment to like applied ethics and not just leaving like ideas and philosophy out there in the ether, but really trying to have a tangible positive impact in the world. I think that's, um, that's really positive. I think the downfalls around effective altruism are more on the community dynamics kind of front. So for those of you who don't know, uh, I'm sure the debacle you're referring to Amanda was the FTX kind of implosion um, without going into too much detail, you, you may have heard about Sam bankman fried who was very inspired by effective altruism to get a ton of money and then donate it to different causes. It looks like he did that to some extent. Also looks like he did some, you know, some activities around like defrauding people and um, lying to investors and things like that, which aren't great um, and a very much a an ends justified the means kind of dynamic. And him being such a big funder within the uh, EA space, it meant that people were kind of scared to call him out on these kind of things. So I'm not sure it was necessarily the uh, the ideological ideological front that's led to EA being in this tricky spot, as opposed to the kind of community dynamics that um, allowed like there there weren't many checks and balances, a very kind of proactive kind of go-getter mentality. But not many checks and balances. And a lot of this has been exposed with the whole FTX debacle. I think, therefore, it's as Antasius, it's good for us to look at the good things that EA has done and try and learn from the bad. So the good things, as we're saying, like that impact focus, that a proactive kind of mindset. And I do think that so much of the EA. Uh, the ea materials out there when it comes to things like animal agriculture wild animal suffering um, in some cases as lawrence was saying with family empowerment media even like human procreation there is so much well-researched like action going on from ea that we can align with that it would be a real missed opportunity if we didn't use the kind of research that they've done and the activities they're doing and support those actions, or get involved in other ways, and that kind of thing. Like, there's just a treasure trove out there from EA that we are very much planning to make the most of with uh, antinatalist advocacy. Interestingly, in the past few years, EA has become really big on long termism, and this is maybe uh, a point where uh, there is a quite a big diversion between. Um, us as antinatalists and some of the leading lights, if you like, in effects of altruism. Um, I'm not sure how much detail you want us to go into, Amanda, on long-termism.
0: I'm very familiar myself, yeah. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> uh, but I just want to say, I mean, you know, it is so important to be an opposing voice, even yes. if that's as far as the relationship between uh, that side of effective altruism and antinatalism and and long termism can go. It's just being a presence in that conversation is absolutely paramount because it's very easy for people to get swept up in sort of the I don't know the falderall of, of, yeah. of long termism, and, and it's a it's a it's a beautiful dream to a lot of people. Yeah. Whereas to us, it's a horrible nightmare. And um, so, I, you know, I, I appreciate at least being at least having a goal to be an opposing view uh, in that world. I mean, I think that's extraordinarily yeah. important. So long as you know, and I hope that they're open to it. At least, and there
2: it. are many EIs who don't. You know, they haven't drunk the long-termist Kool-Aid. If I I'm can, glad uh, to hear that, actually. Frame it like that. Yeah. Um, and this was confirmed because uh, Lawrence and I went to meet Will McCaskill. Well, I went to meet him. Went That's to right. see him speak. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm sure you've seen the videos on Lawrence's channel. And I'm a big admirer of Will McCaskill, especially for that, like, applied ethics impact focus. I'm a bit worried about this whole long-termist thing that he's pushing at the moment. Um, but, yeah, he confirmed, you know, in the talk that there are many people as as I know, on like a personal basis and some of the posts on the EA forum and things like that, there are many people within the EA community who are definitely not on board with this whole long-termist, we need to bring lots of beings into existence. If we don't, it'll be a tragedy, that kind of worldview. And we're hoping to provide some, again, some sort of community for those people as well. So those kind of like EA people who um. Don't align with the long-termist thing, but do align with EA on many other things, and especially the four cause areas that we were talking about earlier.
0: That's an excellent goal. And, ex- and I'm glad that there's a, a an, an attempt to focus on what community can be built out of that end of, of EA for sure. Excellent. Lawrence, did you have anything to add to this front?
1: Yeah, the the only the only thing I would add is as John was saying, that a lot of the issues as we see it are um surrounding the ea community and these are things that you know as john said we can you know take the things that we like and and sort of learn from the mistakes that you know they've they've made um one thing i would say though is that um some people may be skeptical even of the theoretical side you know one one very obvious uh question um that gets asked to ea is you know, how do you measure something like the impact you've had in terms of well-being, reducing suffering, etc. But I think that question is perhaps even bigger for anti-natalists because how do you measure how many beings you've prevented from coming into existence? Because you're never going to know the counterfactual, right? Of if I didn't take this action, how many beings would have come into existence? So one thing that i I don't want people to take away is like, oh, these, these, you know, people, they, they're coming along, they're just going to adopt the EA framework of doing things, it it doesn't fit with antinatalism, or it has loads of holes itself. Like, these are things that one, we're aware of, but also, you know, we we think that it's a good foundational framework. But we realize that, you know, there are things that need to be updated. We will strive, you know, as we can to try and update those to the best of our abilities. But I mean, to be honest, fundamentally, I think one thing like being able to measure how many, if you can, by individual beings you prevented from coming into existence. I think there's, there's no answer to this question, right? But we can get closer to a better um, evaluation, right so this is something that we want to work on but we also want to facilitate the community to answer these questions themselves or think about these questions themselves so that was one thing i just wanted to clarify is we're we're not saying this is the ea framework and this is what we want antinatalism to be We, we we want essentially to take the ea framework as a seed and allow antinatalism to grow its own sort of plant or ecosystem with it if you get what i mean
0: like I've often said, you know, antinatalist activism is a Lego set with no instructions, and so what you are tasked to do is find is take the best bricks from the best sets and see what kind of you know tower you can build out of it. I mean, it it it, it we we're we're writing the instructions, and we have to. But you have to kind of peek at what, you know, how other people have, have attempted to build their own their own sets uh, out of it. So, you know, everything comes back to a Lego analogy with me. Um, but I mean, yeah, that's
2: just that's such a great metaphor. Like at the moment, there's tons of Legos laid out on the floor, but it's not built into anything just
0: yeah, that um, really is the way i th- I, th- I think about it, antinatalist activism i mean it's it's got it's got no roadmap it's got yeah. no instruction booklet um you know you do have examples like the church of euthanasia and and vehement but they the goals of those groups were pretty different uh, or or mm. or yeah i mean it, the, to what i think a, a, a contemporary antinatalist movement is doing so yeah sorry to, didn't mean to interrupt. please go on
2: no so i was gonna say just following on from one thing Lawrence was saying is that there's definitely not a clear. This is the most effect, effective kind of answer out there. But one of the things that EA has done, and as someone who works in the charity sector in the UK, this this attitude actually quite rare, is that they really start from, like you know, from foundations like before we act, like what does the evidence suggest to be a really impactful action? And is that fundamental question of not being tied to a certain form of activism or a certain way of doing things it's like okay starting from like first principles if you like what does the evidence suggest and we're never going to know like if if you if you waited until you were 100 percent sure you would never do anything but ea is quite good at saying you know we're really going to try and be robust and then act upon our best understanding of the evidence and it's the attempt that i think is the thing that we can take away not that we have to be 100 percent sure of everything Or not that we just take EA's recommendations at face value and say, they, the gods of EA, know what's best. It's around having that proactive impact focused mindset and say, in this moment, what appears to be the most impactful thing.
0: Excellent. No, excellent point. Excellent point. I think you guys have exactly the right attitude moving forward on all this. Let me ask you guys this. I mean, I think a big problem in the antenatalist community is, one, there's a lot of fear amongst antenatalists about being vocal about this subject. That's been an issue that's plagued. Anti-natalist activism for a long, long time, and I think we'll continue to to some extent. There's also a lot of cynicism when it comes to its activism. I mean, most people don't really think there is anything we can do or, you know, again, there's people don't see the instruction booklet. They see a pile of bricks on the floor. They have no idea how to make the assembly and they don't think anybody else can either. Um, And so a lot of a truly really tremendous amount with those two things together, the sort of lack of infrastructure and uh, the, the amount of fear involved. And some of that fear is overblown and insane and also very justified. I mean, we have a lot of antinatalists living in third world countries as antinatalism becomes or, or just dangerous circumstances all over the world. As antinatalism becomes more well known, I think there is going to be more danger associated with being open about these ideas. So how, you know, I mean, that's definitely something in my own activism, I've, I've thought a lot about how you combat, I don't have good answers myself. But I mean, how how do you uh, What what is both of your thinking on that front about how you sort of combat that and how you motivate people and how you give people a sense of, um, you know, this is not I mean, I don't think you necessarily have to convince people that this is an important thing to be involved in, but that it's a safe thing. And it's a it's a it's, it's a it's a thing worthy of their um, their energies. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really important point. And, you know, I have to, I have to reflect on, I'm really lucky to live in the UK and where I can talk about antinatalism. I mean, you get some social pushback, but, you know, you can do a Danny Shine in the UK and get your megaphone and yell at people not to have kids um, not that he does it in that kind of aggressive way but you know we are so lucky to live in the country. sometimes sometimes yes sometimes i mean we're both big fans of danny um laurence and i but um yeah we are very fortunate that you can be active i think one as you're saying that fear it can be overblown but in many cases is justified i think one thing that we can do is by having the four cause areas which individually are probably less controversial than anti <laughs> um and how if you think about how you can have an impact there it doesn't necessarily have to be the full anti package if that makes sense so again another thing with vegan activism even by me saying vegan activism a lot of it is around focused on you will be vegan and i i don't think the approach for us to take when it comes to anti advocacy is we need to make everyone a centiocentric anti it's more like where can we have an impact in these areas so i think one thing that people can do is if they are worried about being an anti advocate because of like the terminology around it is just be careful with the terminology and like not necessarily pin an anti bad to their chest but then look at one of the cause areas and think about the impact that they can have there you know if if, be, if being a car carrying anti is really difficult but Uh, you think you can influence the people around you to eat less meat or even go fully vegan. I mean, that would be in my book some great antinatus advocacy that you're doing because you'll be preventing a lot of sentient beings from being brought into existence by doing that. So I think by taking like a broader view, um, not being too worried about the label of like calling it antinatus advocacy and really focusing on the impact that you can have in a way that keeps you safe and you know, that you feel comfortable doing, I think that's one way that you can still get active, even if being like a card carrying out of the closet antinatalist just isn't an option for you.
0: Excellent, excellent answer. That's a very healthy attitude to take. Fantastic. Lawrence, do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, the the only thing I would uh, add um, that's coming to mind is, so John was saying uh, that, you know, if given that anti-natalism itself is controversial, then, you know, maybe as we've broken it down by the four cause areas, but someone may break it down differently. Like you can target a specific thing that's related, but maybe less controversial. One thing I would just add on top of that is like how you go about it. So sure. It may be controversial to do a Danny shine, you know, not everyone can go into their town square with a megaphone or maybe not even everyone can talk to their close friends or family. So it hasn't come out yet, but on my channel, um, my next video to come out is interviewing a guy in Sudan, um, not Sudan, Somalia, um, about what it's like to be antinatalist there, and 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 literally, it in a country like that, you could be killed um, if you were to be open enough, right? Uh, and when I say open enough, maybe even just talk, maybe doing a Danny Shine would maybe get you killed, um, or, or or maybe put in prison. Um, so, yeah, th- there's definitely different religious cultural or individual contexts where certain methods um are, are not open to you in a, in a safe way but there may be other methods that are open to you so one method that again won't be open to everyone because it's a financial one but given that we mentioned charities before um like i do tell people that i donate to certain charities but i don't have to right so if if i wanted to help further um antinatalism in some way let's say i just picked family empowerment media like i was talking to before um i could set up a donation of however much i want to them each month goes out of my bank account i don't have to think about it and i don't have to mention it to anyone no one else in the world needs to know that i donate that money um that is a way if you have the money um to do that and you can donate very little you can start from a very little amount and then as if you begin to earn more in the future increase the amount you earn, uh, you donate but um that is a way that you can avoid any form of um controversy or anything like that um and there will be many other forms of um activism so in most situations that that people are in um they have access to the internet to varying degrees, obviously there are certain regimes that you know suppress your access to certain parts of the internet or whatever. But um most people around the world have access to the internet, um, and everyone who has access to the internet, you can, as just one example, set up an anonymous social media account that disseminates reasonable, level-headed, anti-natalist information that's accurate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, et cetera. All the you know um caveats that need to be added or whatever um yeah so th- those those are just two ideas of ways that pretty much ma- i mean if you don't have access to the internet and you don't have any money um i'm not really I'm, i can't come up with any examples of activism you can do then if you're in a situation where you don't have money don't have internet and you can't speak about it then okay maybe you can't do any activism but that would probably be the case for any other like cause that you want to do activism for to be honest. There are there are like certain thresholds that you need to um get in, you know, in in your life to be able to, to do some form of activism. But um
2: well in those cases thing, it, it also, oh sorry go ahead go ahead. There is one thing you can do and that is not have any children of your own well yeah, yeah. something that David benatar points out is that it we have to be careful not to <laughs> be naive and thinking we can go out there and change the whole world obviously enough people working together are able to change the whole world but like one thing that you do hopefully have control of and again it it depends on the different context and the different familial pressures but if you can just not have children yourself or not eat animals whatever it Mm. might be um then you are making a difference in your own life yeah positive impact
1: yeah, no, sorry, John, I, ju- I just actually thought of an example of something someone in that situation could do. So if you don't have any money, no access to the Internet, uh, and it's you-, you can't talk about antinatalism, one thing you could do is just when it comes up in conversation, just remind people of the fact that having kids is not a, a mandatory thing, you know, so you don't have to go as far as to say, I don't agree with it, it's wrong or something like that. You could literally just go to the step of somewhat questioning it in a mild way, because in a lot of places, especially very religious places, this just isn't seen as an option. You know, it's just it's just the default and it's never questioned. So just to um, to question it in some way would would be a form of activism.
0: Yeah, all excellent points, guys. I'm sorry for the interruption there. But yeah, I mean, there are certainly a lot of anonymous silent ways of being very, very good activists. I mean, even, th- you know, things like translation, uh, disseminating information on, you know, anonymous social media accounts and stuff. I mean, I think it's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful when antinatalists have the freedom to be doing what we're doing right now, which is, you know, cr- creating, you know, uh, content with our faces and voices and stuff, but not everybody can do that. And I don't think that should, be a stumble doesn't have to be a stumbling block for people who uh, can't do that for whatever reason where they feel uncomfortable or whether their circumstances don't allow it um all the examples that you guys gave of ways that people can get involved are great it, it you know and certainly not least of which is controlling your own behavior you know it's not having the children not eating the animals i mean that's as important as it gets you know as, as far as this activism goes um even basically you know doesn't even have to be I mean, voicing that you're against artificial sentience, that's actually not a, that's actually probably not an opinion that's going to get you in trouble in a lot of, uh, religious circles. I mean, I I don't know how, I don't know what they're, what like the, you know, the current stance on, on that is in a lot of, a lot of religious circles, but they may actually agree with you on that one. I mean, that one actually might be a little bit safe. Um, so, yeah, so excellent points all around. Um, I wanted to ask you guys a little bit about, like, what do you think of, what what are you, what is your opinion about the relationship between antinatalist activists and antinatalist philosophers? Like, do you feel like that's a, an important thing to help foster? Do you think that antinatalist activists should be working with the antinatalist philosophers and building those relationships? Is that part of the path forward, in In, in your the opinion of both of you?
1: Uh. i I can go first um yeah i i think it's an important relationship to to nurture um there are a bunch of different paths you can take but one one potential path that i'll just lay out is um to my knowledge there is and i could be completely wrong on this but to my knowledge there is no one um working full-time on antinatalism uh, in a theoretical slash academic sense. Now, there are people who work on antinatalism, the most famous probably being David Benatar, but he doesn't work on it full-time. And he has to, as just as an example, has to spend time marking students' work, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And maybe to some degree, just using him as an example, may feel... Um, as he's documented, um, not at liberty to fully express himself. Um, as you know, him as an example is coming to some trouble at, at his uh, university in South Africa, um, and and very serious trouble. If if the, if there are people who aren't aware of of this case, there have been people who have died as a result of the controversies at his um, university.
0: I, I did just want to make a quick point. None of that yeah. actually had to do with anti though. Just so people know. Yeah, 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 just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Oh, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to dispel that real
1: quick, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, none of the controversies were to do with antinatalism, but um, it, it, you know, you don't have to have a wild imagination to see it spilling over into antinatalism. Um, but anyway, so one example of a relationship that um activists can have with academics, because academics as a class of people tend to not be the sort of people who want to get into the rough of tu- rough and tumble of activism that other people do um not that activism has to be rough and tumble i didn't mean it like that but um one thing that we could do is is um collectively um help to try and fund in some way a full-time committed um researcher or person who explores antinatalism and how it links to different issues um you know in a wild circumstance maybe we could even do that for david benatar but who knows and there are there are loads of practicalities you'd have to work out there right like how do you ensure that this income is going to be stable if it's decentralized and it's coming from lots of small donations from hundreds or thousands of different people but this is just an example of something that could be done as a way of um, relating to what uh between activism and and academia uh another thing could be, um activists uh communicating with academics about um what are maybe the things that uh we could be focusing on so we've broken down antinatalism into four cause areas right but some academic who's working on on antinatalism and how it relates to different topics may discover a whole new area that actually is not being addressed by these four ways that we've broken it down into, right? If we had someone working full-time researching these sort of things and thinking about them, someone who is used to the you know rigorous standard of uh, academia and all of this sort of stuff, this would be something that's really useful. One other final thing that I'll note before uh, going over to John is another thing we could do is... um like soliciting for as um activists and and maybe putting up uh prize money for or something like that is um trying to solicit uh academics or philosophers to actually poke holes in antinatalism like we could fund criticism right because the more criticism we receive that's actually constructive um rather than just people being you know unconstructive but the 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 constructive stuff that we get will actually be able to help us improve what we do right so that's another thing that that we could do um is help you know maybe as one example we crowdfund i don't know five thousand dollars or whatever as an example and put that up as a prize of um there's a open call for people to put forward um either criticisms of antinatalism or antinatalist activism or ideas for the best way forward for antinatalist advocacy and then the best you know who have, you know some sort of decision-making process is put together and then the person who's made the most valuable contribution as deemed by the decision-making process receives the prize money right um that's just yeah one other example
0: All fantastic thoughts. I love it. I love every bit of it. Uh, John, what do you say about all this?
2: Yeah, I was going to say when you ask about the relationship between activism and philosophy, um, this is where I really admire Peter Singer in particular. Not necessarily even for the things he's written about, but how his approach has always been one of get these philosophy ideas out of the classroom, out of these huge textbooks and try and apply them in the world um you know in a way that really does make the world better i think is i think that's for me the legacy which i really most hate from not even necessarily any of his particular ideas some of which i like and some of which i don't it's more that approach of we need to get this philosophy you know these ideas about ethics away from this well not, not just in the seminar room, but really do get them out there and and try and have some positive impact in the world um so I really think there is a huge role. I mean, Lawrence has gone over some of like, the practical ways of, of bringing this about. But I think there is a huge role for philosophers to play in antinatalism, um, both, you know, making the case, criticising all the things that Lawrence said. So, yeah, supporting that, supporting philosophers to get out there and get our ideas out there is definitely something that would be interesting in doing.
1: I just had one other additional thing to add is, so... <sighs> both academics and activists will have their eye on the sort of lay of the land. But as we were talking about before, long-termism, there's, uh, you know, a lot of people out there that support it, but there's also a lot of people out there that are critical of it. If antinatalists, just as as a way of relating to academics, mm-hmm. long-termism, long-termism has been put forward, you know, by famously Will McCaskill in his book, What We Owe the Future um in a sort of semi academic way right it's all supposed to also supposed to appeal to the average well maybe not average person but someone who's interested in these ideas but isn't academically trained um but we could fund uh anti academics to specifically write on that issue um and 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 other issues that we identify as well i think that could be something that's valuable and it could help um turn the tide on specific ideas you know so if 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 going forward there is no antinatalist criticism of long-termism long-termism may become more popular than it would have if we had funded um antinatalist criticism of it from academics um you know maybe in some way being a being able to collectively commission um some academic or other person to write a book critiquing long-termism or or with an alternative um something like that
0: yeah i mean I, I i i want to see every bit of that happen that would be absolutely amazing so great ideas here so um let me you know so you know by the time this episode comes out it's going to be out on on july 1st um july 1st from what i understand is the the inauguration date that is the date that that anti-natalist, antinatalist advocacy will officially be announced so, what is that day gonna look like? What can people, you know, expect to see? I mean, they'll they'll come watch this episode. That'll be one of the things that'll alert them to this to the birth of the birth of uh, of this new organization. Um, but what else can people immediately expect to be able to find?
1: Do you want to take this one, John, or Shly? Uh You can take it, mate. If you want. Cool. So on on the actual day of July the first. Um, it, it, it there's there's not going to be like fireworks and stuff like that um what what's essentially going to happen on july the 1st um a, as we see it is uh this will obviously come out uh we will i'm assuming get onto this in more detail in a in maybe the next question or something given that we're mentioning it now but um we have three projects three Core projects that we're going to be working on initially. And then, obviously, you know, who knows what the future may hold. But um, on the first, um, the first of the projects will have its first tangible thing come out. So, John can talk about this more um, later. But uh, the first episode of a new uh, podcast will be coming out on the first. Uh, so people on the first will have two podcasts that they can listen to. So once you've, if you're listening to this one and you haven't listened to the other one, go ahead to the other one. You'll find out, you know, the link will be in the description. I guess Amanda will put it in there and you'll hear more about what actually it will be by John later. Um, and then, you know, our social media accounts and stuff will, will publish and, you know, we'll be putting information out on social media so people can follow, um, the organization there and, and keep up to date with everything else um, but yeah the on, on the first it'll be those two podcast episodes this one and and the other one uh, the social media accounts and and then I'm not sure anything else will happen actually on the day of July the 1st but then in the coming weeks and months you will see um, more activity to happen around the three uh, projects that we're going to be working on.
0: That sounds wonderful. Yeah, I'd love to hear about these projects for sure.
1: Well, John, do you want to go into, given that I've mentioned uh, the one you're leading on, do you want to go over that first?
2: Sure, so as Lawrence was mentioning, we're planning a podcast uh, creatively called the anti Advocacy Podcast. And the focus of this podcast will be around ideas and importantly, like implementing them as well, ways to get active, different forms of activism, uh, philosophy that kind of thing so very much in the idea like the applied ethics kind of space which is a pretentious way of saying ideas and how to you know ideas on how to get active and, and really putting those ideas into process um, uh we've got a, a first episode coming out on the first very much an introductory one with me Lawrence and Alana who Lawrence mentioned earlier sadly can't be with us here today um, and then future episodes, uh, we've got one planned with yourself, Amanda, to go through, like, as a bit of an introduction to anti both as a philosophy and as a community. Another one on introducing effective altruism and also responding to some EA arguments, or sorry, some arguments from people within the EA community related to anti-nationalism. So keep your eyes peeled, Yeah, or your ears open for that. Um, we're also looking to have some dissenting voices on there as well. So look definitely not looking for this to be uh, an echo chamber. So if you do know anyone or any, if we're very much open to suggestions in terms of guests to bring on, and we'll definitely be having like series based upon the four cause areas. So procreation, animal, agriculture, wild animal suffering, and, um, Artificial Sentience, we'll be doing individual episodes about those in like kind of series. So that's basically a flavor of what we're looking to do with this podcast, as I saying, like ideas and activism and like how to apply them.
0: Wonderful. Well, I, I I truly mean this when I say it. I am always excited to see more and new antinatalist podcasts. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful way of getting the ideas out there. And, it, you know, because it's not just on YouTube, it can go on other platforms. It has pretty large reach i mean so it's it's a wonderful way of disseminating the idea so congratulations to you guys on on that alone and I, i'm very much looking forward to not only hearing the first episode of being on one of the the upcoming ones uh so that's really wonderful um you mentioned it does uh, alana also has another podcast as well yes that, okay. that's right
2: so um as we were mentioning earlier like one of the key aims of um anti advocacy as well as like providing opportunities for people to get active and spaces to explore the ideas and other things around like supporting individuals um, and especially taking a more kind of like positive approach towards uh but towards antinatalism in general um so Alana is looking to share ways and like share conversations with people around like life as an antinatalist what that looks like how people can um be healthy happy people to you know support them to to get active um, we recorded our first episode that will be coming out on the 15th the other day um, and that podcast will be called Embracing Antinatalism, Embracing in terms of like, uh, yeah, just like, like as a really positive thing in, in people's lives. Like for me and Alana, definitely, I know that embracing antinatalism has definitely made my life a lot better and made me a lot happier. Um and as we were mentioning earlier, in some antinatalist spaces, you maybe wouldn't think of it as a such a positive thing. So yeah, this all feeds into our aim, as I was saying, to support individuals, to bring people together, create spaces for people to support themselves to, to get active and yeah, just live happy lives as antinatalists.
0: Beautiful. So I didn't realize this. So this is the, the the birth of not only one new antinatalist podcast, but two. So they're going to explore antenatalism, then embrace it, and then advocate for it. So <sighs> a, 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 a triptych right. of, of the of, Holy of, Trinity. Of, the, the Holy Trinity of planned plan forward. Beautiful. I love it. Well, that's wonderful. And I have to, you know, I just just wanted to say briefly. I mean, antenatalism has been an incredibly positive aspect of me, of my life. Um, so I'm I'm glad to see a show dedicated to that because it is a big part of. Of, of this thing for me personally i know it is for other people too and i think it can be for a lot of other people moving forward so that's wonderful um Lawrence, did you have anything else to say on this part um not on not
1: on those two but um i can tell you about the third project if you'd yeah like i would this. love that please mm-hmm. so the third one so if you didn't catch already john is obviously leading on the um, the first podcast, Anti Natalist Advocacy. Alana's leading on the second podcast, Embracing Anti Natalism. And then I'm leading on the third project, which isn't a podcast. <laughs> so we're not releasing three. Um, the, the third one is, um, a uh, conference. So, um, we, we want to like we said we want to disseminate information and we want to you know provide um opportunities for networking and for people to explore ideas and find out what the best path forward and stuff is so uh this conference the um i can't give out too much information now but obviously you know this by the time people listen to this they'll you know they'll uh, the social medias will be launched and stuff. So just, you know, follow us on the social medias. um We will also have a newsletter. So sign up to the newsletter and stuff and you'll you'll hear all the updates and stuff. But the information I can give uh, now is that it will be in uh, early December and we will be doing it across uh, two days and we will be hosting... A range of uh people on a range of subjects that span um the four cause areas but also uh further uh, we want to um also host uh both uh panels and discuss and panels and speakers so individual speakers talking on a topic that they're knowledgeable about um, but also panels about a different uh about uh, you know a specific subject that you know we then get people with different inputs giving their ideas about that um and that will be yeah it'll be virtual so it won't it's not in person um we want it to be uh virtual so that you know um more people can can attend and and listen and and benefit from it it'll be free and i'm not sure how much more um I want to give at this point because it's it's something that basically you'll be hearing more about as we get closer to the time um but definitely if you if you follow the social medias and stuff like that you will hear everything that you need to hear about it um and all the announcements but it's something that i've got to say um i've been quite uh daunted about organizing because it's um I'm, I'm sure that i'm sure they won't mind me uh saying this but i've um just i'll say in a very vague way i've been uh learning from the child free convention but uh, to put it in a very vague way because i don't know what they want me to to share but um yeah i've been learning from what they've doing been doing and hopefully it'll be somewhat similar to something like that essentially for the experience that someone is going to have um And, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's a bit daunting, but I think it's going to be, you know, really valuable and something that can compound over time and get better and better. And who knows, maybe maybe one day be in person.
0: Oh, I would love that. Well, I am absolutely delighted to hear that that's the third project that could not I could that could not receive better news I mean I don't blame you at all for feeling a bit daunted because that is a massive undertaking I mean look I I did I did a, I did the Antinatalist Film Festival online for one day and I thought I was gonna, I thought it was going to kill me <laughs> so a two-day <laughs> event in the style of like the child free convention is absolutely massive but there's there's almost nothing more needed than something of that scale um and i of course i hope that it can grow up into being a a in-person event but you know uh, massively massively important for it to be an online event uh perhaps even more so in some respects because it you know it can involve so many more people that way so i mean congratulations to both of you for trying to put something like that together shout out to lenora and cody by the way because they've done a wonderful job on the child free convention um but i'm really 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 could not be happier to hear that there's going to be and antinatalist iteration so wonderful so I mean all the projects you guys have uh, these three these three starting projects moving forward everything that you guys have detailed today is massively exciting uh to me I know it will be for uh I hope everybody listening um you know how can people best support uh, antenatalist advocacy? I mean, what is what is support for uh, you guys gonna look like? How can people help out? Um, yeah, please please let me know any, I mean, obviously, as soon as I have them, and as soon as this comes out, all of the relevant links will be down in the description. So please go make sure to watch everything, go check everything out, um, subscribe, follow, all that. But um, yeah, what, what, how can people best support the work that you guys are doing?
2: Uh, well, I think you've covered quite a few of those there. Amanda, in terms of like, you know, sharing and subscribing, that kind of thing. We're definitely in these early stages, very much in the disseminating ideas kind of phase, if you like, of getting these ideas out there. I realize one thing that we haven't actually mentioned is our website, which will have a ton of information and links on the um, pages in each of the four cause areas, links to ways that you can get involved, donation recommendations, um, suggestions for uh well, links to careers advice as well for people who would like to get active that way um, in each of the four cause areas. So another means of, um, yeah, another means of like getting information out there. So please do check out our website as well as our social media pages. In terms of donations, I know that we're looking to set something up in the future, Lawrence, but right now, uh, the main thing as we are in this disseminating information page, phase, sorry, is, uh, yeah, like, share, subscribe all of that good stuff follow us on the different platforms help get the ideas out there and um, you can reach out to us over email if you would like to get involved and um, as lawrence mentioned that we're, we're looking to grow slowly but not bite off more than we can chew so we're not looking to get together a huge big team and then have like a flash in a panda effect but if you'd like to get involved and think you have a particular skill set that could benefit us we're very much in early days and um, please do reach out over email and uh uh, yeah, we'll be sure to get back to
1: you. Yeah, so the, the only other thing I'd um, mention to what, uh, or add to what John just said is, um, if, if like we said, in, in the future, we will hope to accept donations ourselves so that we can expand what we're doing. But at the moment, that is likely not going to be a thing straight away. So if people do want to, uh, if they do have the funds available and they want to donate and, you know, know that it's going to a good place, um, the organizations we've mentioned in this, podcast um links to all of them will be on the website and yeah people can set up donations to those uh organizations make sure if it's uh, an option in your country make sure to you know do what we call in the UK gift aid so a lot of governments will add money to your donation um basically uh so just to make yeah. it just clarify sorry just to make your donation tax deductible i think it's called tax deductible yep. in the U.S
0: well, absolutely beautiful, you guys. You guys, I'm really, I just want to say I'm, I'm really proud of the both of you. I mean, I think this is a huge undertaking, but it's looking, to, you know, absolutely fantastic so far. So congratulations to you, Lawrence, to you, John, uh, and to Alana as well. I'm sorry she couldn't be here with us today, but I hope she feels better and I hope to meet her at some point soon. I absolutely cannot wait to see all the ways in which antinatalist advocacy grows and forms and, uh, you know, takes over the world and whatnot. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm here for every second of it. So absolutely cannot wait to see how everything develops. Uh, Thank you so much to the both of you for being my guests today on the Exploring Antinatalism podcast. Um, Once again, everybody, please go check out the links below and uh, support antinatalist advocacy. And um, yeah, my best to you guys. Uh, Wonderful work so far. Very, very exciting.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us on, Amanda. It's been really good.
0: Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, John. Thank you, Lawrence. Please see the links below that will take you to all the ways you can help support antinatalist advocacy. Thank you for listening to the Exploring Antinatalism podcast. Please follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Exploring Antinatalism can also be heard on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon.com, and so many other platforms. You can email me at exploringantinatalism at gmail.com. Website designed by Visions Noirs. Please follow him at www.bionoir.com and follow him on Instagram. Logo art by Life Sucks. Please subscribe to him on YouTube and check out his shop on Etsy at www.etsy.com slash shop slash LifeSucksPublishing. Music by Mati Hairi. You can hear the whole song. Life is a sexually transmitted disease with a mortality rate of 100% by following the link in the description and make sure to also read his academic paper which inspired the song If You Must Give Them a Gift Then Give Them the Gift of Non-Existence in the Cambridge Quarterly of Healthcare Ethics on cambridge.org Links below! Life is no thrill to Life is
1: no thrill.
0: Was the new so draw to a conclusion? Let them be still.